Well, a couple of months ago, I was fortunate enough to be able to go along to the Strictly Come Dancing live tour at Wembley Arena. Now, my friends and I had a great night out as we saw all of the best and some of the worst dancers from the latest series. And together with everyone else in the arena, we joined in enthusiastically, clapping along when the judges complimented great performances and booing loudly when the judge we all love to hate, Craig Revel Horwood, whenever he opened his mouth. <laughs> it felt a bit like being in a football crowd, I think. Not that I've ever been, but I think that's what it felt like. As we were swept along on the tide of enthusiasm, and all of our inhibitions went out of the window as we expressed our feelings very loudly. But great fun as that evening was, and it certainly was, it doesn't really fit into the usual pattern of how I tend to live my life. I suspect that many of us would agree it's much harder to express real emotion than it is to cheer or boo along with the crowd at Wembley Arena. How often when someone asks us how we are, do we simply say, I'm fine, when really that's a million miles away from the reality of how we're feeling? And the idea of the British stiff upper lip might be a bit of a stereotype, but the popularity of the hundreds of versions of the keep calm and carry on slogan points to an underlying assumption that there is a virtue to keeping our emotions buried beneath the surface and presenting a calm face to the world, whatever is going on underneath. So as we approach our passage from Luke's Gospel today, we're going to see that Jesus has a very different attitude to expressing emotion. Far from keeping it hidden under a calm exterior, we're going to see two contrasting and powerful expressions of emotion in this story. And as we look at these together this morning, it is my hope that we will understand more clearly how Jesus felt as he entered Jerusalem on that first Palm Sunday, and that we will consider how the responses of both the disciples and the Pharisees can influence our own response to Jesus today. So, if you've closed your Bibles, could I ask you to reopen it to page 1054 as we look at this passage from Luke 19 together. And there's also a green batting order in your service sheet which might help you to follow where we're headed as well. Or it might be a nice fan if you're getting a bit hot in today's hot weather. So, Let's begin by looking at the first section of the passage, verses 28 to 40, under the heading, A Community of Praise. So, at the beginning of the passage, we see Jesus approaching Jerusalem. And this is a pivotal moment in his life and his ministry as the events of Holy Week are about to unfold. 
the key question hanging in the air as he enters Jerusalem is who actually is this man? And we see in the passage a number of pointers to his identity. First, we see him refer to himself as the Lord in verse 31. And we also see an unquestioning acceptance of his authority, both by the disciples who obey his instructions to go and collect the colt, and also by the owners of the colt who don't seem to mind it being taken and used in this way. And we also see cloaks being thrown onto the colt and spread on the road in front as a sign of homage. But there's also a more subtle pointer to Jesus' identity. And we see it in his choice of the colt for his mode of transport. Now, Jesus' Jewish audience would have been familiar with an Old Testament prophecy from Zechariah chapter 9. I'm not going to look it up now, but you can look at it later if you want to. And it said that the Messiah would enter Jerusalem on a colt. But over time, this expectation had taken on political overtones at a time when the Romans were an oppressive ruling force. The Jewish people longed for a Messiah who would come in power and set them free from the Romans. But the prophecy from Zechariah continues, showing that the Messiah will come not as a warrior king to engage in battle, but as the Prince of Peace. So Jesus is indeed entering Jerusalem and proclaiming his identity as Messiah, but just not the kind of Messiah that the people were expecting. So how did the people respond to Jesus on that first Palm Sunday? Well, we see two contrasting responses in the passage. Let's look first at verse 37, where the whole crowd of disciples begin to joyfully praise God in loud voices. That must have sounded a bit like my experience of Wembley Arena, don't you think? A whole crowd joyfully and loudly praising God. Just think how loud that must have been. But what was it that caused the disciples to respond in this way? Well, we're told in verses 37 and 38 that they are praising Jesus for the miracles they have seen, but also they are beginning to recognize that he is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, that is, the Messiah, and that he is coming to bring peace. So the disciples join together as a community of praise, lifting their voices in praise to God for who he is and for the wonderful acts they have seen him do. But there's another response to Jesus here too, and that's displayed by the Pharisees in verse 39. They sound a bit grumpy, don't they? 
teacher, rebuke your disciples. I think what they're trying to say is, they're making too much noise. This is all a bit embarrassing and really not the kind of way people should behave. So please get them to be quiet. That's the vibe that's going on there, really, isn't it? Um, Well, we'll come back to what made them respond like this in a moment. But first, I want us to notice how Jesus replies. I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Just think about that for a minute. If the disciples did not praise Jesus, then the stones, inanimate objects, would. Jesus is the Lord of all creation. And the disciples can't help but praise him for who he is and for what he has done. But let's go back to the Pharisees. And I want to ask what got in the way for them and stopped them from joining in the community of praise. Well, if you were a good Pharisee back in the day, you measured your sense of value by how well you kept each and every one of the requirements of the Jewish law. You were so consumed with your own identity and sense of achievement and full of pride, which didn't allow you even to consider the question of who Jesus is. So can I ask us for a moment to reflect on where we find ourselves in this story today? Now, perhaps some of us here are still working out our own answer to the question of who Jesus is. And if that's you, then can I encourage you to keep exploring that? And do have a word with Mike or myself afterwards, and we can help you look into that further. But for those of us who perhaps have been walking with Jesus for some time, I wonder whether we might perhaps recognize something of both the disciples and the Pharisees in our own response. Perhaps we really long to lift our voices to Jesus in joyful praise. But there can be so many things that get in the way, can't there? Perhaps distractions that crowd into our minds. Perhaps a concern for what other people might think of us. Or perhaps, like the Pharisees, our focus at times is simply more on ourselves than on God. And this is where I really want to encourage us to see ourselves as a community of praise, not just individuals. Because as a community, we can look out for one another, encourage each other to praise God, and carry each other through the tough times. I remember difficult times in my own life when I really didn't feel like praising God, and It was pretty much all I could do to get myself out of the house and in through the door of the church on a Sunday morning. But as I stood in this place and listened to others from this community lifting their voices in praise to God, 
So I found myself encouraged and drawn into praise myself. And being part of that community carried me through those difficult times. So we've seen the disciples unable to stop themselves joyfully joining together as a community of praise. And we've seen the Pharisees unable even to recognize who Jesus is because of the hardness of their hearts. I'd like us to move on now to look at the second part of the passage in verses 41 to 44. And I've entitled this, A Community with Jesus' Heart for All. And this is where we see the second powerful expression of emotion in today's passage. So as Jesus approaches Jerusalem, he weeps when he sees the city. Now there are only two occasions in the Bible when we are told that Jesus wept. Okay? One is here, and the other is at the graveside of his friend Lazarus. So I think we can get a glimpse into the heart of God and understand what it is that matters most to Jesus by looking at what it is that moves him in this way. We saw earlier how Jesus enters into Jerusalem in fulfillment of prophecy as the coming Messiah King, not as the political Messiah the people had hoped for, but as the Prince of Peace. And the reason why he weeps here is because the people of Jerusalem had failed to recognize him in these terms. He says it in verse 44, you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. And Jesus knew that their rejection of him as the Prince of Peace would have consequences. The words he speaks in verses 43 and 44 were fulfilled in AD 70 when the Romans laid siege to Jerusalem and destroyed its temple. And Jesus wept because he was longing for Jerusalem to fulfill its calling to be a light to the world, a place where he was recognized as Messiah. And people from all nations were welcomed in to find out who he is. Instead, it was exactly the opposite. As his words here and his actions in the verses that follow today's passage demonstrate all too clearly. So Jesus' heart was broken as he looked out over the city of Jerusalem and saw it filled with people who did not know him. But just a few short days later, that response of his heart was translated into action. As we see him hanging on a cross in that same city, giving his life to restore peace with God for all. Not simply the people of Jerusalem, but all people throughout the world. 
There's a song that we sing at the 6.30 service here at church. Don't worry, I'm not going to make you sing it this morning. But I just want to read you one line of the lyrics, and it says this. Break my heart with what breaks yours. Let me say that again. Break my heart with what breaks yours. We see Jesus' heart breaking here as he looks over the city of Jerusalem. But can I ask us what would it look like for our hearts to be so in tune with his that we too are broken-hearted over the same things that move Jesus to tears? As we stay with that question for a little while, I'd like to read you an excerpt from a blog. Now, if anyone doesn't know what a blog is, don't worry. It's kind of like a diary written on the internet for everyone to read, okay? So this is a blog written by a team from America who visited the Rema Gardens in India back in February. Now, many of you probably know that the Rema Gardens is one of our church mission partners. And some of you might also remember Bob and Colleen Glendenin former members of this congregation who were part of the American team who wrote this blog. So here's what they said. Four years ago, a team from the US went to visit Pastor Prakash's church. The Lord broke their hearts. His church only had three walls and a broken roof. During the monsoon season, members of the church would hold down the roof so it wouldn't blow away. The team went back to the US and was able to raise money to build him a new church. Today, we celebrated the three-year anniversary of the church, which was filled with children and testimonies of what God was doing in their lives. Did you notice the line near the beginning of that quote? When the team visited a few years ago, the Lord broke their hearts with the state of the church building. So they went back and took action to enable the message of the gospel to be preached more clearly in that area of India. And this is just one example of what it might look like for our hearts to be in tune with the heart of God. Perhaps we can each think of examples for ourselves, of situations in the world around us, or closer to home here in Claygate, where we feel the same emotion that Jesus felt when he looked out at a city that did not know him. So I wonder what it might mean for us here at Holy Trinity to be a community that shares the heart of Jesus for all to know him, when none are excluded on the grounds of background, age, health, education, postcode, or whatever. Can you think of someone, perhaps a friend or a neighbour, who you might invite to come with you to an 11.15 service here, or perhaps to Connections after Easter. And I wonder too, if there are ways that we can more effectively welcome those who do come through the doors, but who perhaps don't know anyone here yet, 
So why not make a point today, after the service, and indeed every Sunday, of chatting to someone you don't know, rather than just catching up with your friends? Let's ask ourselves, what part can we each play in making this a community where our hearts beat in time with the heart of God and where everyone is welcome to come in and get to know Jesus for themselves? So, as I draw to a close, let's recap on what we've seen from Luke 19 today. We've seen the disciples joining together in a community of praise as they recognize Jesus entering Jerusalem as the Messiah bringing peace. And they lift their voices to him in praise for who he is and for what he has done. We've also seen the Pharisees distracted by their pride and their self-absorption, unable to engage with Jesus because of the hardness of their hearts. And we've seen Jesus' heart breaking over the city of Jerusalem, who are falling short of their calling to be a light for the world and a community where all could come in to learn about Jesus. I began this morning by suggesting that many of us in today's world might perhaps find it hard to express emotion in a real way. But can I ask us each, as we finish, to reflect on these two powerful expressions of emotion in this chapter, the joyful praise of the disciples and the tears of Jesus, and to reflect on what might they mean for us today? How can we each play our part in making this church a community of praise and a community that shares Jesus' heart for all. Amen.